A butterfly dies is a hex crawl adventure set in the forested mountainside of a prehistoric and mythical Michoacan, Mexico. Four days from now, an ancient ritual will raise the land and end the decades of flourishing times. But many believe the destructive tradition is not necessary for rejuvenating the land. Will you ally with the smolder cult fulfilling the burning of the butterfly miracle? Or will you help those who want to break the tradition? There are consequences with either choice. A Butterfly Dies is funding now on Kickstarter. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by our Special guest today, Ken Spencer. He's a, a partner and writer at Frog God Games and as well as at Why Not Games. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me on. No doubt. Thank you for coming. It's good to get a chance to talk to you. Now, there's a lot of stuff you've done, so there's a lot of things that we can talk about today. But I think we should probably start with what you have crowdfunding out there right now. Could you tell us a bit about the current uh, project that's going on? Sure. Uh, right now at Frog God Games, we are running an Indiegogo campaign for the uh, Northland Saga Lord of Ice and Cold. It's a director's cut. It's a reboot. It's uh, new content. We're, we're getting a chance to go back and for new people uh, or old people who are returning to Northlands uh, with three new systems and turn it into an adventure path, which is what we wanted to do to begin with, but creative oversight that wasn't mine made it into, into a uh, different sort of adventure set system. So I, I've got a question about this, because I have a bunch of modules that are Northland Saga's complete modules, and then I also have these really large, beautiful, hardback Northland Saga complete books. Where does this fit in with what's existing? Is there one of the existing modules this is a rework of, or how does this fit into what is well, out there? This uh, this campaign has uh, Spring Rites and Spears in the Ice as our two intro adventures, and they appeared only in the Northland Saga Complete. They are never published separately. Mm -hmm. And they provide an ability to get into the Northlands at the start, because the original Northland Saga... At the time, Frog God Games needed some uh, low to mid-level adventures. Mm -hmm. So they were like fifth to seventh level. And that's not really a great place to start the adventure path. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so this is a chance to go back, revise those two standalone adventures into a strong foundation to launch this new adventure path that will include reworkings of older adventures as well as new adventures and new material. For example, in this campaign, we're also offering a player's guide to the Northlands oh. with new races, new classes, uh, a little more detail on what it is like to be a Northlander, a full glossary of all the strange terms that I use in the adventures, uh, that sort of thing. Well, I, I may have some questions on some of those. <laughs> I, th there's one thing that popped up, and I believe it was called, what, The Thing? The thing, yes. I'm, I'd love to hear about that. Upset about that in the original in 2010, then said it wasn't a very creative term to come up with for the democratic gathering in the Northlands. Well, that's actually the historical term. It just happens to align somewhat with the English word thing. 
I like that. It's cool. Could you tell the listeners what the thing is and how it plays into yes. this whole adventure? Uh, a thing. So in Northland Saga, a thing is a local gathering of all freeholders, all free men and women, to discuss affairs affecting the community and to vote on what should be done, as well as it's their judicial body. It has no power to enforce its rulings. So if it's a criminal case and they vote and say, yes, Hrothgar is a murderer, well, it's up to the victim's family to go ahead and exact a punishment on Hrothgar. If the thing votes to build a wall around the town, great. Who's going to chip in for the wall? Because the thing has no power to levy taxes or force people to do anything. I like that. And now is this is this a like you mentioned earlier? This is kind of a historical thing that occurred. Um, uh, the Icelandic thing, but there were similar bodies of various types throughout the Norse world, uh, and another similar cultures in the Dark Ages or early medieval period, which is what it's academically we're now saying early medieval period because it wasn't the dark ages and that things were going bad. There were new developments. There were inventions going on at the same time. So in gameplay, how does the thing end up taking place? Like do, do characters often have much say in gameplay. If there's a thing going on, or how would you imagine that? Well, being played uh, the table? It would depend on the character. If in what we, one of the things we introduce is for five, E, of course has the backgrounds, Mm-hmm. But we also are producing this game, all the three books, and Castles and Crusades and OSE. So we're providing means and those systems as well for your character to be one of the local landholders. Because if you're just a wandering swordsman, you don't get to vote at the thing. But just the landowners get their vote. Those the- are the free people. <laughs> exactly. You're not considered a resident of the area if you don't own land in the area. If you're just walking by, well... You know, the thing usually has a market going on, but you can all be drugged before the thing. You know, your your foes can say, well, you've done something wrong and you've committed a crime and accuse you. And now your characters have to have a trial. So in the uh, setting guide, which will be in the next crowdfunding, because we don't want to give it all at once. It's just too much. (laughs) Too many books at one time. In the setting guide, there'll be there are rules for how to resolve that, how your character can stand in front of the thing and sway its judgment, and the GM can determine what the vote of the thing is going to turn out to be. Interesting. I, I like it. I, I I haven't run the thing in game yet, but I I'm really want to, and I want to see how things play out. I'd like to get my characters engaged in it somehow. So maybe getting some land or finding some things out. I I, I like this. So it's an or have, them, uh, have them accused of a crime they didn't commit. Now they have to prove that they didn't do it. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> We're definitely over there. All right. Now, I've got a cat question. You said something about character classes and stuff. Now, there's something that I've found in the books of the Northland Saga Complete that are out. There's a there's a race called the Nuke. or the, Is it pronounced Nuke or Nuklanders? Nuklanders. Nuklanders. Okay, so the Nuklanders, the way that they've evolved, because you have to keep in mind, I wrote the original Northland saga 13 years ago, close mm-hmm. to 13 years ago. Uh, the way the Nuklanders have evolved is that they are related to elves, but they're more fey creatures of the forest. So they live to the north of where the Norsk live. So they live in the Tyaga and out on the tundra. They herd reindeer. They have a different culture, different language, different religion. But the main thing is they are the reindeer riding warriors of the north. They are 
in tune with the natural world and can perform small magics that way. Nothing grand unless, you know, you're a druid or you take an appropriate character class. But the idea is that they are a allied group that is somewhat foreign to the Norsk, but still friendly. In the book that we're going to be getting, the stuff that's coming out here that was currently crowdfunded, it's Indiegogo, correct? Indiegogo, yes. And now, are we going to see, like, and I know you said something about some, like, character options, like the races or classes or anything like that. Are you going to expect like the Nooklanders? Player's Guide will have Nooklanders, and we'll also have the Norsk, which is, we're treating them as they're a human culture, but they have some options unless, in case you don't want to use the normal human rules. So depending on what part of the Northlands your character is from, you may get a small mechanical bonus. And then we have the giant born who are human giant hybrids. And then the troll born who are cursed in some way uh, in the womb. And they're born as different with various abilities. So, uh, so the, the troll born, are they, are they half trolls essentially? Or is this, is this no, slightly no. different? Uh, and so part of the evolution of the Northlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went with half trolls originally back in 2010 mm-hmm. and now we've evolved to bring in this concept that you find in the Norse sagas of being cursed in the womb. Okay. Uh, one of the ones being uh, an example being uh, the semi-historical figure, Ivar the boneless. Oh, I don't, I'm not familiar with that, but that's my historical figure. <laughs> yeah, well, he's historical, but his origins aren't quite, uh, he's tied in with the saga of uh, Ragnar Lothbrook which is, if you've seen the TV show Vikings, it pretty much draws names from that. Oh, (laughs) There's some debate if Ragnar Lothbrok was a real person or based on a real person. The people who are claiming to be his sons are known because they rampaged across the British Isles. Show up in, you know, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle and other historical sources. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle didn't occasionally delve into flights of fantasy, but that was yeah, the yeah. style at the time. But yeah, the idea that a character was cursed in the womb and they're born different, but that gives them some sort of power, some sort of, of advantage and disadvantage. And that's an interesting character type to play. Excellent. Now, I, I'd like to move away from this for a minute and maybe talk sure. about some of your other work that I'm, I like role-playing games. I love them, played a lot of D&D and fantasy role-playing games. But when I started playing role-playing games, I did start with sci-fi games. Oh, okay. So I'm a big sci-fi geek, and I love my sci-fi games. And I'd like to start there with probably one of the coolest sci-fi oh, game right. concepts yes. ever, ever that you did. Yes. Uh, could you tell folks about Rocket Age and how it's perhaps different sure, than sure. other sci-fi games? <laughs> uh, Rocket Age is the 1938 that never was and the solar system that should have been. <laughs> it is a love letter to pulp sci-fi. Uh, I grew up with science fiction. My father's a huge science fiction fan. When I was a small child, he took me seven times to see Star Wars in the theaters. <laughs> and I can't tell you at this point whether it's because I loved it or because he needed an excuse to go see it. <laughs> That's good. But one of my earliest memories is sitting on his lap in the movie theater, having him read that scroll to me. (laughs) That's good. You know, I was too little to to read. I love sci-fi and I loved the old sci-fi, the old sci-fi, the old Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I even love the Buck Rogers from what, 79 and 80. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With with the Queen soundtrack. 
Oh yeah. Well, the, that was Flash Gordon with the Queen's. Oh, I'm think. Oh, you're. Oh. I'm thinking. I'm getting my Buck Rogers confused with my Flash Gordon. Yeah. Seventy nine to eighty was the one with the what's the robot Tweaky, wasn't it? Tweaky. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that sort of sci-fi. Um, the old uh, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon serials mm-hmm. and some of the rarer ones. Uh, they were afternoon TV shows when I was a kid. So you'd come home from school, do your homework and you had, that was part of the afternoon lineup. There'd be two hours, a half hour shows there made out of cereal, the old cereals uh, plus, you know, the Disney Davy Crockett. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of those. So I sat down, I, uh, I wanted to create that sort of setting and I didn't really have a great idea, but my son was, Oh, maybe a year old at the time. Mm-hmm. And I would throw toss them up in the air as you do with small children. Oh yes, <laughs> I'd go no, Rocket no. Rangers away, and he'd throw <laughs> up and he'd giggle and laugh, and I'd catch him. I'd do it again. I thought, wow, that's that's just that's the perfect tagline, and it sort of grew from there. My love of history, my love of uh, uh, the mid twentieth century, mm-hmm. and it became Rocket Age, which is it's nineteen thirty eight, so it's right. World War II hasn't happened yet. There's Nazis on Mars. There's alien invaders from the outer planets. Uh, there's the jungles of Venus. There's ray guns <laughs> and rocket packs. And it's it's a serious setting and it's a fun setting at the same time. Now, the setting is, is one thing, but the system, there are more than one available systems for the setting of Rocket Age, correct? Yes. How, how does What is currently out there if someone's interested because i personally am a fan of the original system more so than the later one go on (laughs) well we use uh, a rocket age classic which uses the vortex system which was developed by cubicle seven and it's a traditional 2d6 plus attribute and skill versus a target number but it's also got a narrative system attached to it where you spend story points to have your character do cool cool pulp stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites being spending story points to bring the cavalry in or to move the game to a cliffhanger. And then we see what happens there. Or you spend story points to say your character's not dead, mm-hmm. you know, ranging from you had a flask or a Bible in your breast pocket and that that absorbed the ray beam. <laughs> uh, or one of my favorites is they didn't find the body. So your character may be out for a session or two while we narrate on the side, you fell off the cliff into the river. <laughs> oh, no. Find you later on washed up on the river bank and you suffer some sort of, you know, setback for that. That's rocket age classic. And then we have rocket age five E, which uses a five E compatible version of the, the five E system. And we have been discussing doing a, uh, branching into a new system and doing rocket age, savage worlds. Savage World has some stuff out already that would fit oh, yeah. well if you'd like to do that. And I love to have a big sandbox for my games. They got the Flash Gordon, they got riffs, they got all kinds oh, of stuff yeah. for Savage World. Oh, yeah. And one of the, the things that we're interested in especially is because uh, with the OGL kerfluffle at Watsy, mm-hmm. Rocket Age is, I own it. I own the IP. Mm-hmm. I created it for Cubicle 7. I wrote for a long time at Cubicle 7. I bought it. When I left Cubicle 7, I have full rights to it. It's mine. I don't want Watsy to get a hold of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want someone else to say, well, it's under the OGL, so I can go ahead and grab it. Uh, we will continue to support Rocket Age 5e. In fact, just this week, I was looking at the uh, PDF proofs for our next uh, Rocket Age book, which will be in Classic and 5e. 
Oh, what is the book? Arthur's Guide to Martian Life. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so it's written as a uh, like a, a field guide to a life on Mars, covering the ecosystems and then the various creatures with, of course, game stats for the two systems. But we are also developing going to a Rocket Age Savage Worlds and doing some more Savage Worlds work as Why Not Games, because we would like to get away from being you know, tied to a corporation that is big and mindless and faceless. And we know the Savage Worlds people. They're nice folk. Yeah, I, I like it. the Savage. I, I, I've got to be honest when it comes to Savage Worlds. I have the I have like I have like pro, the previous version of the core book and some some of the Rift stuff and a few other things. I've never actually played or ran in Savage Worlds. Yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> I haven't been in the game yet. I played a lot of games. A lot of games over the years, but I've yet to, uh, but I have the books with intent to run it or play it. (laughs) It's a a fun system. It's really exciting. It's really fast. It's got a, uh, it's got a strong traditional mechanic uh, where you're rolling dice against a target number, generally a four. It's got a little bit of that early 2000s design feel to it with the idea of edges, which are are similar to the concept of feats from third edition D&D and on. Yes, uh, that gives you a little little advantage, but they also have these hindrances, which make me think of the '90s RPGs where you had merits and flaws and that sort of thing. Yes. So your character comes to the table with more of a fleshed out personality. But the big draw for me for Savage Worlds is I like knickknacks, mm-hmm. and you don't have to, but it's a game that says, "Well, wouldn't you like to have a set of tokens? Wouldn't you like to have a set of templates? Wouldn't you like to throw some minis down on a on a mat?" Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> I uh, I buy card decks because it uses a, a standard deck of cards for initiative mechanic. Mm-hmm. I buy card decks themed to the adventure. Oh, <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> so I, it's that sort of thing. And I love that sort of thing. I like your little knickknacks for the gaming table. I like to have a yeah. dice tower that's themed for what's going on. And the Rocket Age theme is not, I'm not going to lie. I'm partial to it, and a lot of it probably is like you were talking before growing up. I remember a lot of those old serials. We we'd get the big packs of DVD or VHS before DVD. Oh yeah, and it would be like all the flash, a bunch of you know six hours of Flash Gordon on on like two VHS tapes or something, where we get the Shazam and Batman and, and oh, Shadow, yeah. oh, and all, yeah. but we'd get all the all the all the uh, Flash Gordon and everything else. And I love those old serials. That was. That was science fiction for me growing up. You know, I was born right at the time as Star Wars was coming out. So there wasn't all as much sci-fi as we have now. And Star Wars was a very unique deviation from what had happened. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I mean, six hours of the old serials is a lot because they're generally 15 minutes. Yeah, they're pretty short. It was usually like a complete series usually when you get those. When I'm guessing six hours, but when you get those VHS, it was like, here's all the stories of batman and robin i was actually just watching the old batman and robin serial not that long ago <laughs> yeah those i mean they were great shows and a lot of the inspiration for uh, rocket age is to get that feel mm-hmm. uh and take them for their words so when they would say that you know we stand for you know what was it from the old superman serials uh truth justice in the american way yes, yes well that's that's hard baked into rocket age and they mean it so the rocket <laughs> rangers the rocket rangers it's 1930s but they don't care what your origin or your creed or your ethnicity or even sexual orientation is they're the best of the best and if you're mm-hmm. one of the best of the best you're one of them i like that it's, good. it's that sort of thing yeah 
That's good stuff. Now, I, I've got a question because you've been doing this for a minute. I, I'd be curious if you could tell us how you got into, well, I'm assuming there was a transition somewhere from starting to play games to writing and making oh, yeah. games. I'd love to hear the history there because I, um, I, don't, I don't even know how much stuff you have out because I know that I have more from Frog God alone than these giant tomes that I have of yours. <laughs> I don't even want to look. I think my CV has... I haven't counted in a long time. I think over 60 titles in it. So I was an archaeologist. That was my career. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Worked in the field for a long time. My wife and I decided we were going to have a kid. And one of us needed to, we wanted one of us to stay home with the kid. Mm -hmm. And since I was working as an archaeologist, working part-time teaching, and she's a uh, marketing executive, mm -hmm. from a financial standpoint, that was an easy choice to make. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh i i said okay you know what i will i will leave my job for a little bit and we'll i'll be the you know i'll be a home dad i'll yeah. be a at home dad that's fine by me so i was doing that and i was looking for an outlet to do something because i'm a i'm a driven person mm -hmm. uh, i worked hard all through school i worked hard after school there was always something a ring to reach for in my life so i started writing for uh rpg.net Right. Okay, yeah. And that led to getting some uh, adventure work from Chaosium, which led to writing a book for Chaosium. And then from there, it's like, this is my career. You know, the kid the kid was a baby. <laughs> so he goes down to sleep for three or four hours and I write. And then I wake up and I take care of the kid. And he goes back to sleep and he goes back to sleep. <laughs> I, I, I did a lot of that. <laughs> Unless we both fell asleep at the same time. So... <laughs> which can happen it can happen although it's usually i need to get to sleep and this child won't sleep is yes. my experience <laughs> so we would you know and then that grew and he started going to preschool and i said you know what i'm i'm making some money at this i'm making a name for myself i'm getting work and it's just been keep keep going like that and uh he is an eighth grade now so that'll, that'll tell you how long we've been doing this, about 14 years. Excellent. Now, I, I got a question. How did you get into gaming to begin with? Did you start with D&D like most folks? Oh, what, was your, um, what was your history and trajectory like there? So I was a Navy brat. We bounced around a lot. And my dad was a big sci-fi fan and yes. a little bit of fantasy. So I grew up with that in the household. And I was reading uh, Conan the Barbarian from Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing in the back these ads for this game called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> well, my dad's a war gamer, old school Avalon Hill war gamer. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I would, I mean, he would referee them because I, you know, I was maybe eight or nine, couldn't really grasp the rules too well. But like Panzer Leader and Squad Leader and, you know, Starship Troopers and Wooden Ships and Iron Men, those games. And this looked like one of those. I thought, well, that's cool. And it's got Dungeons and Dragons. So I assume it, you know, it's got a dragon on the cover. It's the Larry Elmore cover, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's going to be awesome. So we bought a copy. Uh, I saved up my allowance. when We went to the mall and, and got a copy at the toy store and brought it home. And I opened it up and there's no map. <laughs> there's no counters. Oh, no. There's just these two books and these weird shaped dice and a crayon. So I figured it out and played through the solo adventures and loved it. And we moved, I don't know, six months later after that. And mm -hmm. I happened to move to a place where there are two kids on the neighborhood who played. So 
that's how we started. Excellent. That works out well. And were you mostly a D&D player coming up, or were you one of those who explored the variety of strange oh, games? Or I started D&D, started playing that, enjoyed it. Like I said, removed again. <laughs> yeah. Not every 18 months. And uh, started playing D&D with those kids and loved it and started picking up Dragon Magazine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> First copy of Dragon Magazine, I'm flipping through it. I'm like, well, what's Traveler? <laughs> what's Gamma World? What's Battletech? And just sort of spawned on from there. So if I remember right, it went basic D&D, mm -hmm. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, first edition. I remember that. That was a Christmas present. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> yeah, got that. And then moved on from there to uh, Star Frontiers, mm -hmm. Traveler, Gamma World, uh, and just on. I mean, you name it. I, I played it all through the 80s and 90s and, and into the aughts. And I still pick up a game sometimes. My group just likes Savage Worlds at this point. They won't play <laughs> anything else. But if I'm on a con, I should see something interesting. I'll pick it up and read it, and maybe I'll get someone to give it a try. Savage Worlds has picked up a, a steady, a steady, solid, uh, I guess, fan base or player base, it seems, in the last, at least the last decade or more. I want to say that there seems to be something pretty big there. I, I still need to just get into it and play it at some point in time. It's a great <laughs> game. I've been... I've been playing it since it's Deadlands routes, routes before it was Savage Worlds when it was the system that Deadlands used. Now, I, I want to go back for a minute to what's sure. crowdfunding and talk yes. a little bit about the Northlands because, oddly enough, I am a huge fan of the Lost Lands as a setting in general and all the stuff that's been put out. And this is a huge chunk and section regionally of the Lost Lands that your Northlands books cover. I'd be curious if you could tell us a bit about uh, writing for something like that because I, I, as i understand it, a lot of the stuff was written wasn't originally written with the intent of just being the lost lands but kind of got grandfathered into it in the long run yeah. so how how did how did any of that play out with what you've written and whatnot and well the northlands began as just a region of set adventures in and as time went by and i wrote more northlands adventures we fleshed out more and more of it and there was never the idea that this was going to be part of the Lost Lands because there wasn't a Lost Lands at the time. Mm -hmm. And then as they started to build the Lost Lands, they dropped it in, which worked because the Northlands was originally involved with, you know, your campaign world probably has a Viking part. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing a standard European fantasy, you're going to have a Viking section. So here you go. And it got dropped in. And that expanded as we were writing the World of the Lost Lands books. Uh, there's mentions in the Northland saga of other places. So, okay, where are we going to put this place? Where are we going to put this <laughs> grass? You know? Yeah. Where does the Dnieper River go? Because it runs off the map. Uh, it talks about the caliphate. Well, where's the caliphate? Well, now we got to put that part in. The inspiration for it is all history. Uh, I'm a big fan of the early medieval period. I've read the sagas. I continue to read the sagas. I read history books on, on that era. Uh, I just recently finished the book of Ibn Fablin, uh, which do you remember the movie, the, the 13th warrior? Yes. Yes. That's a, I, when that came out, I was, I was really into it when that came out. I remember seeing it yeah. opening day and I don't know if I've seen it much since. <laughs> oh, the book of Ibn Fablin is what the 13th warrior is loosely based on. Okay. It's an actual account. It's actual history. A guy from Baghdad, uh, an educated man, early geographer before, you know, one of the earliest people to 
come up with the concept of geography as far as a style of academic study. Uh, he traveled north from Baghdad uh, into the and met the Rus and uh, the lands of around uh, Khwarezm, Kiev, North uh, Caspian Sea region. Yeah, and recorded his impressions of them. And he traveled far and wide and came back to Baghdad and wrote a book about his journeys. And I just recently finished that. Uh, and it is it's a look at the Rus who are a Swedish group. Uh, so, you know, Norse uh, and one of the first contacts of them in the historical record. And reading that view from an outsider was interesting. And then went on and read the book of Al-Andalus, which is a gentleman from Spain. Who, oh. We're talking like 10th century. Okay. Mm -hmm. Traveled from Spain to the Black Sea in his lifetime and wrote a book of this is what I saw along my journey. And these are the people I met. And seeing these perspectives from outside of the Western European milieu uh, was very interesting. Yeah, especially the idea we think Vikings attacking England yeah. in the Isles, but Al Andalus talks about a Viking raid on Spain. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I'm gonna have to check these out. <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing that Thirteenth Warrior had going for it that most things don't. And that's Antonio Banderas. And anytime Antonio Banderas is in something, I have to see it. And I instantly love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a great actor. And it's a great movie. I mean, it it pretty much, it leaves the book of Ibn Fablin the moment Antonio Banderas gets on a horse and starts traveling off with the with the Vikings. That's like, oh, I see. Okay, we're going to leave the book behind and we're going to go off and fight Neanderthals in the far north. Which, you know, <laughs> I'm not against that. I think that's a great thing. Have to have the adventure somehow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we're getting close to time. Could you tell the listeners uh, maybe a bit of where they can find some of your stuff online, some of the things you think they should check sure. out, and where they can find you on the internet? Uh, Frog God Games right now is running the uh, Northland Saga, Lord of Ice and Cold, and Indiegogo. Uh, you could, of course, find a lot of my stuff at froggodgames.com. Uh, whynotgames.com is another website. Both can be found on DriveThruRPG in PDF and POD formats. And both are in your local game store. And if they're not, then you need to tell the game store owner that you need to get more Ken Spencer books in there. Yes, you definitely do. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great getting a chance to talk to you. I really like your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We can use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs>